This is Limit Up, a trading podcast presented by the performance coaches at Top Step. We discuss futures, forex, stocks, options, history, trading psychology. Basically, if you can trade it, we'll try our best to make sense of it. Now, on to the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step. I'm Jack Pelzer, joined by Dan Hodgman in the office. We're both at Dan's desk. It's weird. I know. It's super weird. We had the weirder spend... part is we're at my desk, but you're sitting in my seat and I'm sitting outside the desk. King in the castle, baby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you could hear one person who's not with us, who's joining us for today's episode is Michael Patak, the founder and chief vision or visionary officer. I always forget which I, tense of... I think they both work, but... um. Yeah, just kind of shorten it. it go CVO. Almost well, sounds yeah. like CEO, but I, I retired from that. He explicitly made it, so it sounds like CEO in case. I'll stick with the founder, but uh, great to be on here with uh, with both of you. Of course. Well, Michael's joining us from Colorado. And now that we have spent a half an hour trying to figure out how echoes work back in the <laughs> office, uh, we're ready to rock. And uh, today we have a really interesting topic that uh, we've been putting a lot of thought into here at Top Step for the last couple of weeks. I'm titling it, Is Your Trading Strategy Viable? So how do you check to see if what you're doing, because we preach here a lot and MP your whole story about training yourself in a simulator where you're not risking live capital. We've talked a lot about how there are differences between simulated trading environments and the live markets. And it's important sometimes to know whether you're giving yourself a false sense of security with certain strategies in the simulator that don't transition to the live markets. And we're not talking about just the psychology of having real money on the line. We're talking about some just technical aspects of simulators and certain types of trading. So before we get to that, since we have MP on, I thought we could just for a few seconds, uh, every asset on the planet is through the roof right now. We're down a little bit today as we recorded Tuesday. I thought we could just play a little bit of what are you feeling? What are you vibing? It's 420 when we're recording this. So hopefully we're not vibing <laughs> too hard. I've heard it's the buy everything rally. <laughs> That's what everybody's saying. And uh I don't know. I'll let you guys go first on this one. but Well, I saw this depressing statistic the other day, of, uh, and it hit home for me because I'm a millennial born in the you know, mid to late 80s, and how every single affordability crisis crunch is happening where it was schooling and then rent and then housing and then the 2030s, it'll be stocks that will have to buy at 90 multiples, you know? It's such an interesting environment we're in right now. Truthfully, the way I look at it is you've You've got to take into the factor, you know, we can all have this opinion of, well, stocks at their highs, eventually they're going to dump. Well, you can't sit here and say when they're going to dump. You can't sit here and expect them to dump. You've got to be more cognizant of what's the current environment and how are the markets reacting. So one of the big things is we talk all the times, you know, how are the markets going to react to bad news? Well, you know, there's a lot going on right now that you would consider bad news, but the markets really aren't too affected by it. So you have to start to understand which news is going to affect the markets. So, you know, if politically things start to change or you get that crazy political moment where it can cause a drastic effect in the markets, you have to be prepared for that. 
And so it's a matter of just kind of weighing the two. And I think these markets are just going to continue this grind higher until there's some sort of drastic news that's going to then change the current market state. And that's what we have to be prepared for. So I look at it as sit patient, buy the dips. Anytime the market sells down a little bit, it's a good opportunity to go long, buy it, hold on to it for a little bit, catch the run, and uh, keep doing that over time until the big game-changing news comes out. If we look back over the last you know, 20 years when the markets really had big sell-offs, it was based off of massive changing events. You know, you go back to the the financial crisis in 07, 08, there were major things happening there that caused the sell-off. You look to last year, 2020, what caused that sell-off? Well, obviously, we all know what happened. The economy had to shut down for a while, caused massive fear of what's going to end up happening because of this. And that's what's going to instigate these sell-offs. And those are the things that we need to be cognizant of right now. I think there's a bubbling effect happening right now. <clears throat> so I was in 97, like late 90s. I remember the valuation talks, you know, hey, companies are getting crazy valuation before they even unloaded their uh, uh, <clears throat> or uh, opened their boxes of the new office that they were getting in. So I remember all that. This, this one is different. This is uh, that you have your valuation. It seems like everybody's a billionaire now. Uh, and so everybody's. I'm why- not. Well, I, I know. I am. <laughs> you guys aren't. Well, depends what video game you're playing, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but but uh, I think, and I did this, and I've been talking with a buddy of mine, and a couple of buddies of mine, and I'm like, dude, there is a f- inflation going on right now. I don't care what you say. You got uh, besides, okay, volatility is low right now. Got it, sixteen or something like that. The VIX, but inflation, you you pull up a chart: corn prices, bean prices, wheat prices, lumber prices, copper prices. And my wife, who does not trade, goes to the, the the grocery store quite a bit to pick up many multiple gallons of milk for my two boys. And she's talking about milk prices. And when you got raw goods, check all of them out on a chart. They all started popping after uh, during the mid-2020 uh, last year. I mean, what you also have uh, Coca-Cola yesterday, I read, raising their their prices uh, on, on all their soft drinks uh, now. And, and so you got all that. These are... To me, inflation, like uh, flags or, or um, smoke, and, and the, the the fire may may not start it yet. But I don't know. You got wages increasing. I don't know about that one. I haven't seen that one yet. But it, you definitely have raw goods increasing. They for all sure on all time high. They're all on their all time highs. Yeah, and the real loser in an inflationary environment is actually Arizona iced tea because. <laughs> <laughs> it's well known that they're they can, they can sell can. their product for a maximum of 99 cents. I mean, someday you'll be able to get a dozen Arizona iced teas for right? the buying power of, I don't know, a penny now. Right. So watch out. That is my pick. Well, I haven't, I haven't had pushing. an Arizona iced tea in years. Now I might have to ah. go get one. Yeah, no, I never caught on to that. There's a humongous cans. It feels like I'm drinking out of a 40. I don't know. It's weird. Um, <laughs> That's on you, I don't know. But uh, it, with inflation this high, they pass it on to the consumer. So the consumer, you already have this uh, uh, income uh, gap that's going on. Now you got the lower income bracket paying uh, higher prices for their you know uh, everyday needs. Again, maybe it's not right now, but it took a while for irrational exuberance from Alan Greenspan to say that. And then like multiple years later, uh, the market fell apart. It was like a scream up after irrational exuberance. And that was like in 96 or something like that. There's definitely more euphoria out there. For, for the longest time, there was a lot of 
people that were still kind of betting on a re- a recollapse or that the other shoe had the fall as far as these markets now everyone's kind of long i feel like at this point there's a lot of just i i get that feeling now which you need everyone to capitulate before it turns around so I, i'm feeling it i'm seeing it and i'm you know there are so many things raw goods out there that you i'm i'm noticing and i've just it keeps kind of creeping up and it's like this has gotten a little bit more expensive. Yeah. This is mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. a bigger cost. It's you know, those are things that you know you, you don't think about it when you do you do an annual budget, let's say, or you do a monthly budget and you go, okay, I'm gonna budget two hundred dollars for this, a four hundred dollars here, thousand here, whatever it is. Some of those can be stagnant, but then the other ones they are increasing. It's costing you more. Now I think we have an advantage um with the current environment, obviously. There's been a lot of negative and bad things that have happened over 2020 with the pandemic, but you can also sit there and say certain things I'm saving a ton of money on. You know, most people are not going out to eat the way they used to, going out to mm-hmm. drink the way they used to. I'm finding myself more often than not when friends want to do something. Obviously, where I live, things are pretty much wide open. You can go out to the bar if you want, but most of us are saying, oh, forget the bar. I'll grab a case of beer. You know, grab a bottle of vodka. We can go party at the house. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, speaking of vodka, Coca Cola, Arizona iced tea, alcohol and sugar are things that are not good for you <laughs> in the long run. And this is how I'll segue into. But they feel good at the time, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So this is my segue. Ooh, I, I get the segue. I know yes. where you're going with this. this to what we're talking about today, because we've noticed some patterns, basically using data that we have gleaned from the our traders in the trading combine and the funded account. And what we've seen is that there are a lot of people out there that are using basically scalping strategies. And before we go into kind of the difference with, between doing that on sim the real markets, uh, we've talked on the show before, but in case you're unaware, scalping is a practice all this time. It's basically being a market maker. MP and Dan, you guys both spent time on the floor. Maybe you want to give like a quick little experience with kind of how trading used to work and scalping back in the day. Scalping to me is just getting in and out quickly. Um, of course, if you get out quickly, it's a couple ticks or, or of a move. But that's what I'd always say. You know, you didn't. I, I wouldn't always see, but traders that get in and out quickly is scalping. And then uh, a lot of what I saw in the pits, a lot of what uh, I see evaluating traders are the ones that of course, do better are the ones that put on the position. And, you know, it's, it's a multiple minute hold. that's really not in the seconds. So that that's, it's only in the seconds if you get stuck with it in the pit and you don't want it and you try to get it off right away. Yeah. Yeah. When I think about it too, like if I go back to when I got started in all this, you know, the first time I ever heard scalping, scalping, what I was told was, hey, you know, we're going to try and pick up 10 bond ticks. And 99% of the people in the world, I think, would say 10 bond ticks is not considered a scalp. That was the first introduction. Then as I've gotten more into this industry and started to learn things, like there were times where I'd heard of scalping and I would think of, okay, someone comes into the pit with an order, you're making the market, you know, you know, your your market is three, five or three, six or whatever. You're creating a little bit of a spread. You get hit on the threes and someone quickly jumps and hits those fives and you can kind of just be a quick middleman. And that to me is what a lot of people, I think, especially newer traders are trying to kind of create that aspect when they get into trading because it is that quick uh, result. You get to in and out fast. You're not taking insane amounts of risk right away. 
But I look at that as, hey, you got lucky. You got a nice little win there. Take that, hold on to it, and get back to why you're supposed to be trading. Get back to why you chose to trade at that price. Yeah. yeah. If the reason why you got in is still there, why are you getting out? Right. Yeah. And the reason it worked for so long, and they're scalping in adjacent strategies that even worked on the screens for a long time, where you would essentially arbitrage, say, bond, like cash bonds versus the bond futures or buy one of one ripped. Basically, despite what the eggheads at the University of Chicago will tell you in the <laughs> 60s, uh, markets are not completely efficient and they're becoming more so, but the easy kind of money out of that is already gone. So we've kind of moved from a place where there used to be a significant barriers of entry, just the trade futures, right? You couldn't just walk onto the floor and start being a market maker like that. You needed connections and, and so forth just to get there, right? At that time, you know, if it was just, a, you needed to know someone, there wasn't like a job board where you can go like, no. here, I'm going to give my application and maybe I can find a job here. You know, you had to know someone that could say, Hey, give this guy a shot. Let him just clerk for you for a little bit. Let him be a runner. You know, he'll grab your lunches and he knows how to read a piece of paper when you say you bought 50 at six in the SEP contract. Yeah. So now everybody can trade or have access to these markets, but the bigger component as to why these strategies have had most of the edge squeezed out of them, as we mentioned a lot, it's the computer revolution, it's high-frequency algorithms. When when you're trying to scalp futures contracts, I have a hard... We, we did an entire coach's playbook on this that I would refer you to. And perhaps some people can prove me wrong on this, but I think it's very difficult, if not impossible, to be a ticker too wide, basically trying to scalp futures point and click style, because so much of your success depends on the execution. Your execution depends on where you are in the queue order. And a computer is always going to do that faster. And not just you could buy a $50,000 computer, you'd still be last because it's a winner take all. Whoever's fastest does it best. And there are firms that pay tens of millions of dollars a year. It's not so much about the computer you have, but it has to do with you can pay extra fees to get millis- uh, the microsecond fills. Um, it's the number of fills based off of like a microsecond. You can pay extra for that. You've got to be as close as possible to the exchange. So there's no delay. I mean, you think about it, we have internet's a great thing, right? We're sitting here, you know, Michael's in a four hour flight away from us. And we're still able to have a conversation. But if you're closer together, the closer you are, I look at it as we used to use on the floor, most guys were using these like push to talk cell phones. And that was how Nextel. the Nextel. So most of them use that. We use the old version. The Nextel had a few millisecond delay from when the guy talked to what you heard. We had instantaneous with these phones. We had, even though we had to change batteries like four times a day to keep the phone working, that was an edge because we picked up that half a second to be able to try and hedge our position or we know something's coming and we're able to call it in. And we're talking microseconds here. That's where people found that edge. And you can't compete with that from a retail perspective sitting at home. So to, to throw out the microseconds and to give the listener <clears throat> something uh, fun to watch, watch the Hummingbird Project. It's on Netflix. It's about a, 
uh, basically a stockbroker investing in getting backers to invest in a fiber optics from Kansas City uh, Exchange to the New York Stock Exchange, a perfectly straight line that they had to dig and go to. And that was around the 2010 time. And at the exact same 2010 time, they're also building these radio frequency towers to, to and this is all to keep that in the basically front run uh, and get in front of these orders. So point of the story is that is scalping in a, in a playground that you have no business being in as a discretionary trader. Even if you had your AT&T, Comcast, whatever internet provider you have, you're still not going to have your little algo or whatever in your machine basically get in front of uh, these folks. They all started popping up and I, I saw it all pop up after 2010. Uh, and I also saw a lot of these companies pop up in Chicago. And, and I, they were making, I worked at a couple of them. Yeah, you did. You did, <laughs> didn't you? Which one? Well, I don't know if you can say. Uh, it. Yeah. People listening probably figure it out, but I you worked there. How, how about that? Yeah. yeah. And, and they were crushing it. They were getting front orders. And then they started cannibalizing each other. And I remember, I remember this. Right when the market opened, I would put in an order and I'd see somebody jump on top of it. I cancel the order and it's gone. Right when the markets are really thin, I'm like, there is players out there that are doing this very differently than I am. This is in 2010, 2011. It was five, six, seven o'clock. The markets just reopened, really thin and 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 wide. And then you'd put you'd be best best bid, best offer. It's just you know a five lot would jump behind you. You had a one lot, five lot. So, and as proof of the point. Before we transition to what we're kind of are where we're going with this, is that even for the big players, a lot of the edge from just like pure speed has been kind of bred out to the point where the the, the big boys and girls now are trying to figure out smarter ways to make longer time frame trades using correlations. I've, I've used the example before, you know, Renaissance Technologies, which is sort of the gold standard of these hedge funds has invested in an astronomical amount of data. They have this whole warehouse and they're trying in real time to find correlations as far as that they can use for an edge. You look at what Citadel is doing, uh, which we've talked about with uh, the Robinhood stuff like that. There's less utility. Things have gotten so granular and it's so expensive and the fixed costs are so high. That's just why I think that it's unlikely your scalping strategy will work. One thing I just want well, to add is, to that is unlikely because we're and, we're seeing it on our end of it uh, from the transition from sim to before to you go, Dan. I was gonna say. Oh, go ahead. It's hard to believe to me that this actually works, unless <laughs> you are doing it on a simulator. In which case, it might. And I'll get to that. But Dan, whatever you want to say first, there. Yeah, absolutely. So, like one thing that I think is so important to recognize. And now I'm having a brain fart. Something very important to recognize. It was. <laughs> I, it was. It was a profound piece of knowledge. We're keeping all of this share. in. Just uh, we want to see what, when Dan can grasp at this. All right, we're gonna move on, Dan. All right. Oh, we'll I got it. Yeah. See, it, it takes a little pressure to get them to rise up. I got it. I think we always have to recognize. And I think we're talking about things that are difficult to do when it comes to trading especially in the retail perspective, if we, we need to always think about, well, what are our advantages, right? Because I think there are huge advantages to being a discretionary retail trader. You're not forced Advantages to or edge? Same, same. Say again? Advantage or edge? Same, same, right? Same, What's same. Edge as a trader. Okay. Same, yeah. same. When it comes to being that discretionary retail trader, number one, you don't have to trade. You're not a make it marker. 
You're not a liquidity provider. You're there to find opportune times to hop into the market. And at being a human discretionary trader, you don't, you're not forced to make any decisions. You can sit back and choose to do it when you want at levels that you think are viable and mm-hmm. cut your costs. Michael, go back to being on the floor, your daily cost, just to show up on the floor, hold your desk and have your equipment. You know, you're looking at a thousand dollars of every trading day easily just to cover those costs. Now you can have an $800 computer or less at home. You can pay a couple hundred bucks, you know, 200 bucks for some, your, your, all your fees to be trading. And it can cost you six or $7 per trade. And you can make a thousand, two thousand $2,000 on that one little trade that you're doing. And you can cut those costs drastically. And that's what we talk all the time about creating this, a business. This is a business. Oh, this is what business. you have to maintain. And if well, you can I- cut costs. I see the lure to, to scalping. It just because you think that you're, you're you're not risking very much, and, and you're going to catch that little move, catch that little move, catch that little move. But in the end, and as I'm sure Jack, I'm doing a segue to you on this one. In the end, like your risk actually is is higher than your reward, and it doesn't pay off in the end. Yes, and I think that now would be a good time to talk about simulators. So obviously, a top step we believe strongly that trading a simulator is an incredible tool for you to craft and perfect your strategies, to figure out how you're going to make money before you get in. One place they're not great at is that they approximate the real market, but they aren't perfect. Now, if you're trading like we would, what we would call a... Typically, if we look at someone's results and we say, hey, this is a good trader, it's not going to matter for them because they're taking train uh, trades that are on a slightly longer time frame than just a few mm-hmm. seconds. All right. Simulators do not perfectly account for your queue position. There'll generally be less slippage. You'll get full size filled on a print that would not have in the real market. And you'll end up with better results in the simulator than you would if you were trading the real market. We've noticed this kind of taking root a little bit in the uh, trading combine. And so we just kind of wanted to, just so people know what to expect, because we want people to be able to make money, whether it's with top stuff or not, you know, in their brokerage account or with us, is that even if these things work on a simulator, it's not just a psychological difference. There are technical reasons why it does not work as well. And uh, we have some data to back it up, but well, David, yeah, want to add to that like, first? Just one th- couple of things to be thinking about too, when it is the difference between the SIM and the live, you know, like Jack was mentioning, there's that queue order that is replicated as best as possible in a simulated environment. Are they perfect? Absolutely not. Can you put three different simulators up next to each other? And I, are they going to fill the same? Fills, Absolutely yeah. not. When you're in the live market, it doesn't really matter if your number is six in, you're going to be number six out and it doesn't matter what kind of platform you're on. It doesn't matter what order your type type of order you're using. And the yeah. speaking of types of orders in the simulator, if you're using a market order, you're going to have, and it's a thin market, take the NASDAQ, for example, and you're working a market order. If the market moves through and one to two get traded, odds are in your favor. You're going to get that fill in simulation where you would not have gotten it in the live market. And that's something I don't think people are processing when you're trying to be in and out as quickly as possible. Yeah, no, I, I support that. And I look at the, we're talking about the SIM and we're not discounting that by any means whatsoever. Because 
flight simulators are what pilots start on, and and they try to replicate every every situation that a uh, that a uh, pilot uh, would have. But I, there's very few, I, I would say, flight, uh, pilots that ace the flight simulator and come out and just be top gun. You know, like you got to go in the live markets, you got to go in the real real world. And, and it's not, there's the unknown unknowns out there where you don't know what's going to happen and you're going to be prepared the best you can. Is the, the simulator preparing you? Heck yeah, hell yeah. Uh, why? Because it, it's putting you in a position that you can get in a routine, you can get into a strategy that fits and, and successful. But if you also understand that the strategy that you're doing that you may think is successful doesn't work live, that's the type of information we're going to start spitting back to you and help you help guide you because we are seeing little to no success. And this is a great segue for you, Jack. <laughs> at, it is. At the funded level. I'd be remiss. Uh, those that came from uh, the flight simulator of scalping, you know? So, <laughs> so here we go. I'd be remiss not to say too. I just saw the other day that they now have HR virtual simulators where you can f- fire some poor uh <laughs> Digital. What? I swear to God. So you, you you go in there and you sit and you have to fire this guy. Depending on how you do it, he might like throw a fit. That's just creepy. I know. Do you right? have your like VR care, <laughs> a VR headset on or something? And this is a whole world that. that... I, Michael, I don't want to find myself in a situation where I'm <laughs> using an HR simulator. It may or may not happen. Who knows? Anyway, we actually have a top step pretty much as close as you can get to a real world uh, scientific experiment on this because we have, for people to pass, we have a pro account option where just to give them a break on you know data fees and stuff like that, where they can trade in a simulated account to um, unlock a premium funded account. But they're, for all intents and purposes, making real money. And what we have seen is, we've seen a number of people be successful using strategies that involve usually hundreds of trades a day. Dan, you would know the exact breakdown of it. Absolutely. It, it, and when it comes to trades, the number of trades in a day, it kind of varies. Some people are doing it on a little bit shorter, a little bit lesser time frame. Some are doing hundreds um, of trades, thousands, up to 1,000, 2,000 contracts in a day. What it really comes down to it's it's blatantly obvious. You can see it in their in how long they're in their trades, and they've got big days of two thousand dollars, and their trade duration is two seconds. And I'm looking at it and going, "Well, you made two hundred and fifty trades today, and you did it all. Every one of those was averaging two seconds or less." First off, how do you have this mental stamina to sit and do that? But they're, they're ta- there's opportunity to take advantage of those uh, advantageous fills in there for sure. Yeah. Well, with, but what we're finding, though, is those individuals that are trading that way. And I've, yes, I dig into trade reports. Yes, I look at them. Yes, I talk to the, <laughs> the trader team. And I'm, I'm seeing, and, and we're, we're getting more data, and we'll be providing that to, to you folks to understand what's working and whatnot. But like those people that are like literally dance at a couple seconds, 15 seconds, even anything under 30 and things like that. I was like, they find no success at the funded level. They can't. And what is success at the funded level? Um, it's not making it to the funded level. It's a part of it. <clears throat> That's a good job and job well done. But the job starts right then and there with your with your on your funded account. It is uh, growing that account. Yes, you need to grow your account to take a withdraw, and you have to grow and take a withdraw. And that to me is success. That's you professionalizing your 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 skills, your talents, your passion. 
and, and getting to your goals. So we paid out millions of dollars last year, or sorry, we processed millions of dollars in withdrawals last year. And, and we're already past the million dollar mark this year. And we're seeing the folks that, that are taking those withdrawals are, are longer time frame. Uh, they are trading less. They are showing patience. They are showing uh, that they have a, a strategy from the, the combine, uh, from the evaluation period that works live. And it, it's almost a, a mirror of like how they're trading in the, um, in the combine to the funded account. So uh, we don't see that. What we don't see is that happening with those folks that are trading short time frames in the combine and then getting on a funded account. And uh, I think Dan or Jack, you probably have the stats on how many, what percentage of people. Yeah. So I think one stat that'll illustrate this is how, let's talk first about how we kind of identify the sorts of accounts that we think might be trading in a way that works on a simulator, but not live. We looked for accounts that had many trades, but overall had either an average or median trade. Let's just say for now, 15 seconds or under, 30 seconds or under. But for this next stats, 15 seconds, which I think accounted for something along the lines of 7% of funded accounts. So in the funded accounts... So only 7% of funded accounts were under 15 seconds. Yeah, for the... Okay. From their median or average. Yes. For the first stat. Yeah. for the And what we found was that traders that fit that criteria, 97% of them were not profitable when trading live futures in the funded account. Now... You can look at any industry stats that say where profitability is in futures. It's way more than 3%, hmm. right? And in addition, and these are traders that did well in the pro account. Uh, over the entire period, we only processed one withdrawal for 1100 bucks. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. And when you look at that, I mean, that's, that's, we're trying to always guide traders to a, a better behavior, a better long-term strategy. Uh, you know, we start with the combine, we start with the, Hey, risk management, man, you gotta, you gotta have it. You gotta watch your downside. You know, that's the first piece of it. And as we have more tools, the trader development tools that we're, we're looking to launch here and they will be coming out here very soon. And then data will be coming out here very soon. It's going to help hopefully guide uh, the traders in, in our at top step <clears throat> into better behavior. And uh, whether it's with us, like Jack said earlier, whether it's with us or on your own uh, brokerage account, we do not want to set you up for anything other than the best chance of success. Yeah. So that's that's our goal. And, and go, of course, our mission is to professionalize your passion. So to do all those things together, you got to grow your account and you got to take withdrawals. And, and then you have to have a foundation there, risk management and a strategy that works live. So that's a lot of this is just getting uh, the, the communicating that out to the folks in the wherever step they are, step one, two, pro, or, or at the funded level, uh, that that a longer time frame is uh, is probably a better use of your energy. It's probably a, a more more sanity in, in all around, and we're seeing success at it with uh, folks that are taking withdrawals. Yeah. And to be clear, we're talking about, we talk about these average or median trade times. We're talking about winning trades. We're yes. all about cutting your losers, cut, it, cut, it, cut your losers, let your winners run. Um, right. And uh, another piece of data here is that 85% of the successful funded traders held their trades for between five and 25 minutes on the winning trades. Mm-hmm. That to me is the number one thing. You know, I've heard it for 
I've been here at Top Step for almost five years now. And the most common question I get are, what are successful traders doing? I've done multiple interviews with funded traders to try and share some of what they're doing. But when you can get these hard facts behind it, I think it speaks for itself. There's no question about it. If 85% of our successful tra our traders are being successful and they're holding their trades for that five plus minute time frame, that speaks volumes to me in the sense that they are being successful. That to me says, well, I've got a good odds in my favor if I'm holding my trades this long. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think it comes back. I heard someone, not to make another golf reference, but uh, someone was talking about like, enough of that uh, last week with Jared Tendler. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but you know what? I, I think this is a good thing is I heard some teachers say something like, are you, are you here to play golf or to play golf swing? Uh-huh. Uh -huh. And it's sort of a similar thing with trading. Like, what are you here to do? You're here to make money. You're here to succeed trading the live markets. We're, our goal is not to make you someone that is really good at trading on a simulator, especially because then uh, it almost feels like we're leaving you short then because- It's a disservice. It's a disservice. It a because disservice. Yeah. Think about all, all the hours you're spending learning how to do a strategy that just won't work. It's just kind of like time down the drain. So, so going back to the speed and, and high frequency, we're trying to front run your your strategy to tell you, hey, guess what? This this isn't gonna work if you're if you're in this uh, micro scalping world. You already got players that are bigger, stronger, and deeper pockets than than you do. You're also risk to reward and winning strategy. It's not sustainable. You're gonna have to have a win, uh, basically a win. Uh, win rate that is massively high and, and it's hard to have that high of a 80 90 100 percent win rate as you go out there because trading is about making mistakes and learning from them and win rates that high are, are very hard to sustain over a long period of time this strategy itself doesn't work at our, at our funded level uh, find time frames that that are um you know, a little bit more well thought out. And uh, as Danny said, find your levels, have your plan, uh, know how much your costs are going to be. This is crazy to think about in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. I mean, each time you do that, the clearing fees, not even commissions, commissions are really low. They're like discount brokerage type stuff at Top Step because uh, that's what we kind of match it up to. But you still got your clearing fees. And, and, and that that's an exchange thing. That's a pass it through type world of exchange fees, passing that through. That's expensive. Yeah. And one thing I want to do, instead of just us sitting here telling you what you shouldn't be doing, I want to kind of give a couple of things that you can do. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about what the out. good traders are doing. Let's go glass half full, gentlemen. Come that's, on. Hey, that's where I want to be here. And I've had a lot of these conversations with a lot of people. And a lot of the traders I've talked to have said, yeah, I've noticed it just doesn't work when I get live. I think I'm struggling mentally. And we can look at their data and their trading completely changes. And they're starting to recognize that they're not getting the fills that they're getting in SIM. What yep. I cannot stress enough, number one, if you're a NASDAQ trader right now, consider a different market. I I'm going to be blunt and honest with you. We're running a two to three tick spread on the bid and offer during regular trading hours, and we're seeing volumes down about 50% from where it was prior to the micros being out there. Um, that's not an actual fact. It's just my recognition of what they are. So I can't tell you 50% is right or wrong, but I'm seeing volume extremely decrease. That market, and I use the term elasticity pretty regularly when, these, when I talk markets, the NASDAQ is extremely elastic. So to try and slow things down for yourself, a lot of traders are looking, I think, in my personal opinion, too short of a time frame. So start opening up the time frames you're looking at. 
look at the 30 minute. I personally have said this hundreds of times. I run a daily, a four hour, an hour, and a 30 minute chart on any market that I'm trading. I try That's and keep the high time daily, frame. Daily hour and 15. Yep. No 10 Take second charts? Nope. No 10 <laughs> seconds. Um, because it, you need to slow it down for yourself. Uh-huh. How do you slow down your trading? You slow down what you're looking at. If you can slow down uh-huh. what you're looking at, you're going to see well, you the picture out. a little bit clearer. You're zooming out. Uh-huh. You're getting that bigger picture. You're starting to recognize, wow, this price here, 12875 has been a great, and that's a total random number I'm throwing out. I have no clue where that is right now. Um, sure. But 12875 so, has been supportive over and over for the last four days, man, there's going to be good opportunities uh-huh. to market approaches. Why deal with anything else until it gets down there? Oh, bam, it hits this level. I can buy one. I can take some risk because if you're taking 50 trades in a day and you're risking you know, $50 per trade, what does that add up to? That's a ton of risk on the day. Minimize uh-huh. all that. So, go back to your point, Danny, really quickly. I want to make uh, a point on the uh, thin markets, widespreads. People hate it. I hate it. Everybody hates it when your stops get hit. You know how easy your stops get hit on a thin market, wide spreads? They'll get hit. And you know you, you hate when it gets hit, and then you really hate when it gets hit, and it goes your way. So that's another reason to be out of thin markets, wide spreads. Hey, go to the S&P. Go to the Dow. Uh, these are, these are uh, a little thicker, a lot thicker, and deeper and tighter spreads. Um, again, I, I get why new traders, hopefully the veteran traders, the intermediate traders don't just go to the shiny, shiny object, but I get it. I get the new ones, new newbies and, and those just developing, Hey, you know, I can do this in this market and move so quickly. You know, you get your instant gratification. This business is about delayed gratification. It's about building, uh, your core foundation of risk and discipline and all that. And that is. Sorry to break it to everybody. That's not terribly fun all the time. It's like watching paint dry. It's a slow process, but when you get that process going, it's very rewarding. And and you see, we see it as funded traders, and and I'm sure those that have uh, done really well in their trading can can attest to that. Absolutely. Yeah, you're unlikely to find a hundred good trade setups in a day. Mm-hmm. So if you're making a hundred trades. Maybe think about which of those were your best opportunities. The people that we know are good, have consistency, they're selective, and then they do what we said earlier about they don't let their losers run, they let their winners run. Mm-hmm. And we're looking for I, that, what Hoag says, the asymmetric uh, opportunities. That's what yeah, we want. When I started, I was, uh, I was in, out, in, out in the early days, <clears throat> very, very early days. This is like, uh, I don't know, penny stocks and stuff like that. And then even when I started uh, futures, I started getting, I was doing in out. And I, I guarantee it wasn't seconds, but but uh, you just mentioned the 100 trades in a day. I started getting much better when I went to the prop firm and they slowed me down. And I basically focused on high probability setups, not just a setup. There's a, there's setups, you know, sure. You can say anything setting up right now and, and talk yourself into it. But I, I would focus on high probability setups, sit on my hands, and get into position and, and trust uh, my risk reward is was was sound and then I had a great entry so then I hit my profit target before I hit my loss stop loss. Well, this folds into nicely something that we jumped the gun, but the podcast was already recorded. With uh, we talked about the release of Coach T mm-hmm. last week, but in reality, this is being published Thursday. It's here it's today. All right, it's out. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. out. It is out. So. Our thought behind it is Coach T is going to be a tool that we think will kind of keep you accountable and sort of give you a score 
that you can use for your own uh, trading that uh, of how closely you kind of match up with these data points that we see successful traders in our program using. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, and then the feedback that you'll get, or just the guiding, the guide, uh, the guidance, support, motivation, uh, you know, all this is being wrapped into coach T uh, this digital performance coach is like an extension of our performance coaches. We couldn't really clone all of our performance coaches, but we can definitely uh, ask them for, you know, their input on when we were designing this and building this and, and it's going to come to life more and more. And it's really, really exciting. Yeah. And just a couple of things too. We have coach T, but I want to make sure, you know, people are curious about this topic that we are talking about now, or you have questions or you're just trying to, maybe you have been in that quick time frame, and you're trying to adjust and you're looking for ways, places to kind of get some more education on it. Every single morning at 8am, John Hoagland goes live on our YouTube channel. He's showing these higher time-framed opportunities in the market areas to look for the markets to move. So you can join that. We have our coaches playbook every single week. You can tune in there and ask questions. And all of this stuff is live. I'm on the recap every day at 3 p.m. This is all live. And we answer pretty much every question we possibly can when asked. So don't hesitate to join us and ask those questions because, well, frankly, we all really enjoy talking about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think that that's a good place for us to. We've already been in for a bit of a marathon session here. Hope our. Well, we have longer time frame. That's kind of what <laughs> yeah. we're doing here. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to start. We're actually moving this uh, podcast to four hours. Uh, we're going to do like a hardcore history or something like that. But um, yeah, just if, if you have any questions, we're going to have a lot of communications about uh, this stuff coming out. But uh, give Coach T a shot if you're doing the combine. And if you're trading your own brokerage account, just be cognizant of which strategies are actually going to be viable when you use them in a live market. I think that that'll be a huge favor to yourself as you move forward here. So uh, MP, thanks for joining us today, all the way from Colorado. Looks looks like in the background, there's like a little concourse or something. I see people walking by. There, with, there's uh, a walkway behind my camera right now. And the, it's, uh, the people poor walking guy has to, to sit at the base of the mountain Oh yeah, ski as much as possible. Hey, man, uh, somebody created this cool co-working <laughs> spot over here. And I just, I just purchased a, a private office here. Well, I'm just glad you have a microphone now. So oh, yeah. uh, thank for, you for that. Of course. Well, uh, Dan, thanks as well. We'll be back next week with a uh, brand new podcast, Topic TBA, but I'm sure it'll be something. I'm sure it'll be a hot topic. Hot. I hated that, Dan. <laughs> topic. All right. With that, it's almost the weekend. Go out there. Have fun. If you're vaccinated, do whatever. And uh, we'll see you next week. Namaste and trade well. Limit Up is presented by Top Step and produced by Dante32. Futures in Forex trading contain substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.